Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God for His holy written word. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're talking about supernatural power tonight. Amen. There's natural power, but there's supernatural power as well. Amen. There's laws that govern this world that we live in, and there's supernatural laws that govern the unseen realm. Praise God, that's all around us that brought this realm into being. So we want to talk about the supernatural power of God. And here's why. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul the Apostle preaching. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, For I determined not to know anything among you except or save Jesus Christ and him crucified. What a statement. That's all I want to know. He gave up all the knowledge that he had in Judaism, all of his education, all the former things he understood and said, this is what's more important. Jesus Christ crucified is more important. And I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Think about that statement. Meditate on that. That our faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the living God. And so what did he do to achieve that goal? He said he demonstrated the power of God before them. Now, Paul just left Athens where he preached a powerful intellectual message to these leaders that were there. And they were called the judges that were there on Mars Hill. Then he left there and went to Corinth. And Corinth, we know, was a very licentious city. It was filled with idolatry, sexual perversion, all kinds of things that that Paul addressed if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you can see all the immorality that he dressed. There is nothing but demonic activity everywhere in that city. But he went there and he preached the cross of Jesus Christ. And he went there and he demonstrated the awesome power of the living God. Why? Because in those communities, the places round about where there's this demonic activity, those people want to see something more than just an eloquent speech. They want to know that God is real. They want to know that God exists. They want to know that God will make himself known, manifest himself among the people. And so he demonstrated that the God he served was far greater than any false God or image that they had. He was greater. And as a a result, he got their attention. As a matter of fact, his goal was to do what? Shift their faith from the power of Satan to the power of God. And that's exactly what he was told to do. Look at Acts 26. He was told to do that very thing. You know, really, we all have that mandate to turn people away from the works of darkness to the kingdom of light. Look at what he said here. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, he's, re- he's right now uh, giving to King Agrippa his experience in Acts 9 when Jesus appeared to him on the Damascus road. And here's what he says. Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest, but rise and stand upon your feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this 
purpose to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things into which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles and to whom now I send thee to open their eyes. To what? And to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So we see he is echoing, he is telling these things because Jesus told him this was his ministry, his purpose. This is what he would live for. This is what he would die for. He, when he talked about, I finished my course, I fought a good fight, I've kept the faith. In other words, his course was to do this. And the goal was to turn them away from satanic powers and the powers of darkness to the kingdom of God and to show that the power of God is greater than the power of the devil. And we know that it is. Well, what about today? That was then, but what about today? You think anything has changed today? Is the devil still out there destroying people's lives? Is he attacking people's marriages, children, families, finances, their health? Sure he is. He's out there doing the same thing he's always done because that's his agenda. To steal, to kill, to destroy. But is God the same today as he was back then? Has he ever changed in his mission to destroy the works of the devil? And the power of God today is available to every believer today so that we can tap into it and unleash it on our behalf. And not only to have our needs met, but to help minister to others who are in need. To unleash the supernatural working of God's power to change their lives. Matter of fact, look at Romans chapter 1. It's not eloquent speech that's going to get the job done. It's not going to be wise, persuasive words that's going to get the job done. It's going to be the power of God. And the question is, where is our faith? You know, a lot of people have faith in what the enemy can do. They really do. He's been after me all week and I just can't seem to get anything done. Well, do something about it. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Put a stop to it. You've got the authority. You've got the power. You've got the name of Jesus. You've got the right to do it. You've got, praise God, the power of attorney to use this name above every other name. You have an inheritance among the saints in light. And part of that inheritance means that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes we use this terminology, this biblical terminology, and we don't really have the full meaning or the full depth of understanding of what it's talking about. But what does it mean for you to be an heir with Jesus Christ? An heir of God and an heir with Jesus Christ. You remember he said, Jesus said in the Gospels, it's my Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. Didn't he say that? It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In other words, everything I have belongs to you. So as an heir, that means we have the right to everything that he has. It's like a joint bank account that you have with your spouse. Go to the bank and your name's on that account. Her name's on that account. I pity you if her name's on that account. But if her name's on that account, she has access to that account. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think I told you this before. I walked into the bank up in Youngstown because my, my parents, I'm on that account. And they, they needed some money out. And so my mother sent me to the bank and I had her 
account number where, you know, the checking account number with, it, with all the numbers to, to go in there to get some money out for her. She says, give me a certain amount of money. And I said, okay. So I walk in there. I'm standing there. I'm waiting. Don't you love it when you're just standing there waiting? People are lined up behind you and you're the one like, oh, please, please. And she kept looking at me, looking at me. She said, are you on this account? I believe so. I can't find you. I said, I'm on the account, but I can't find you on this account. I can't give you anything because you're not on this account. I'm on the account. Maybe you can't find me, but I'm on the account. So she kept looking and looking and looking and looking and looking and the people are back there going, come on, come on, come on. It's not my fault. I'm trying to, it's not, it's, I'm on the account. Well, my brother, was on the, my brother was on the account. My mother was on the account. My father was on the account. And so I was the fourth one on the account. And she finally says, oh, there you are. And then she explained it by saying that, you know, we put three up here. The fourth one was just kind of hanging around somewhere. <laughs> so they had to resurrect it and found out where I was at. So they finally found me. And guess what? Oh, here's the money. She wasn't going to give me one penny. Why? Because I wasn't on the account. Well, I want you to know that you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You have a joint account with him and all that he has belongs to every single one of us. It's called an inheritance that we have in the saints of light. And so he said, it's my pleasure to give you the kingdom. So go ahead, draw from your heavenly account and receive the power that you need to get the job done in your life. Oh, glory to God. Isn't that good? Okay, where are we at? Romans 1, 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live, how? By faith. Faith in the power of God. Faith in the gospel. Faith in the resurrection. Faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Faith in the fact that he defeated the devil. Every enemy of ours has already been defeated, praise God, by Jesus. And God wants us to have faith in the work that he did for us so that we can be a joint heir and have all the blessings of heaven in our lives. Well, beloved, let me tell you something. Our faith is to be in God's power and nothing else because nothing else can do what God's power can do. You can't save yourself, no matter how hard you try. You can try to save yourself if you want to try to save yourself, but your faith in your works will never open heaven's door. But I guarantee you, if you say, I'm going to put my faith in the one who saved me by his grace, the one who shed his blood for me, if you say, I believe in Jesus and his finished work and what he did for me in faith and the power of God to what? Resurrect me from the dead and put life in me, you're on your way to victory. Amen. So, we're to have faith in God's mighty power and there is no substitute. Religious tradition is no substitute for the power of God. Human philosophy is no substitute for the power of God. Psychology is no substitute for the power of God. Entertainment is no substitute for the power of God. The traditions of men, no substitute for the power of the living God. Programs, no substitute for the power of the living God. There's no substitute including eloquent speech, as Paul said. 
I'm not here to impress you with the words I speak, with my education. I am here to express to you the resurrected Christ, the cross that he died on. He, he rose from the dead and the power of God so that your faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Well, beloved, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 19 and 20, look at what it says. He was not interested in someone's oratorical skills. He was interested in whether or not he found power in a person's life. Thank God we can be refined and we can use those 50 cent words. I don't really know many of them myself, but I guess there's a few out there. But he's not looking for that. He's looking for power, resurrected power in all of our lives. Look what it says. But I will come to you shortly if the Lord will and will know. Notice, not the speech of, of them, which are puffed up. You know, knowledge can puff up. But the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word or speech. What's it in? It's in power. Beloved, do you believe in the awesome power of God? Do you believe in the life-changing power of God? He says, look, I'm coming. And I don't, I'm not coming so I can get get someone's intelligence to hear what someone knows I'm coming to determine whether or not they've got power operating in their lives and what does he mean by that power that will transform you from the inside to the outside power that will enable you to to minister life to every people every person that you come into contact with power operating in your life and through your life that will equip you to carry out the will that God has for your life the kingdom of God is one of power not of eloquence power to change human hearts, to change human lives. Well, Paul said, I'm not coming to hear you talk. I'm coming to see if you possess power. Now, in America, you know as, a lot, as well as I do, there are many talk shows on TV, on radio. People like to talk and spew out a lot of words. And if we get caught up in listening to all that, you know, you might start believing some of it. You know, you're, you're really, because faith comes how? By hearing and hearing how? By the word of God. But it also comes if we have heard, let's say the fears and the lies that the enemy throws our way, we'll have faith in that fear. Flu season's coming. Better watch out, you don't catch it. Guard yourself and, and, and so on. And it's almost putting, instilling fear in people's lives to make them think that they're going to get it. Well, praise God. We don't have to buy it. We don't have to accept it. We don't have to receive it. Yes, there's a challenge that is, that's out there that we've got to stand against, but it doesn't mean we have to embrace it. Do we? You know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Isn't that what the scriptures teach? That's the battle for the mind. Well, Paul was saying that, look, I'm not coming to see what you can preach, what you can speak, how well you can speak, your eloquence, your oratorical skills. I've come to see whether or not you're operating in the power of God. You know, there are many pulpits around the world today that deliver eloquent speeches. But are they life-changing? Are they empowered by the Spirit? Are they penetrating the very hearts and souls of the people that receive it? Are they empowered by the Spirit so that they effectively communicate to the lives of all the people that are being ministered to. And I mean assimilate everything that needs to be assimilated among the people. Is the Holy Ghost taking that same word that's going forth from the pulpit. And touching the hearts and lives of the people that are there in different ways. 
You know, you can preach the same truth and it impacts people differently. It ministers life to people differently based on what their need might be. I've had someone come up to me and just say, when you said this, I thought, I didn't say that. Did I really say that? If I did say that, I don't know that I said that. Maybe the Holy Spirit worked on your ears and you heard it that way. I don't know, but I didn't remember saying that. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, praise God, is an active individual among us who will watch over the word of God and take it, and I mean absolutely thrust it into the heart and mind of any person that truly desires to walk with God, to know God, and operate in the supernatural power of God. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. You see, the kingdom of God is not about speech. It's about power. Power. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the, our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. Notice, it wasn't just the word that was spoken. It was empowered by the Spirit. It penetrated their very hearts. Beloved, I believe the anointing of God is to be upon the word of God so that the Spirit of God can take that word and absolutely change the human heart by it. Minister life to the person that receives it, that hears it. He's always watching over the word to make it good. God's kingdom is not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. And we're talking about operational power. We're talking about life-changing power. We're talking about healing power, delivering power. I remember when I first came here years ago, a woman that was bound up by all kinds of, of um, medications that she was on because of her emotional condition. And I met her up in Calcutta. And up there in Calcutta, this little store that was there, and I, how we got the talking, I don't remember exactly. And she said, well, what do you do for a living? And I says, I'm a minister. And I told her where I was pastor of the church. And she goes, oh, I'm a Christian too. But I've been bound by these, this medication. I've had emotional issues, deep emotional issues. And I've been on this for so long, such a long period of time. And I said, well, you don't have to be. And she just looked at me like she never heard anything like that ever before. What do you mean? I said, there is a power, the power of the living God that can deliver you and set you free from that. And I just showed her, Mark eleven twenty three, 23, speak to your mountain, believe in your heart, say it with your mouth that this has no power of you any longer. He's the glory. He's the lifter of your head. And she says, well, I want to go to your church. I told her where the church was at. She came to the church, and it wasn't very long. Within a few months, she came listening to the messages. She applied the principles, and she was completely free from all medication. Now, remember this. I didn't say to get off your medication. I said you could be free from your medication if you apply the principles of God's word. And she did, and she was delivered. She was set free. So healed that she went off to school. For ministry. Just, just a miracle took place. We believe in the power of God. That changes a life. That delivers a sin sick soul. That enables one emotionally distraught. To become whole once again. He made provision for us in spirit and soul and body. And it also heals the body. Now personally in my own life. I saw my daughter healed. 
after falling 10 feet straight down, head first, 10 feet, three and a half years old, straight down on wooden steps, eyes split open, blood pouring out, can't walk, can't stand up. But praise God Almighty, I'll tell you what, all I did, I was teaching a Bible study in my father's basement, and all I knew to do was just to pick her up, and I heard her fall, hit the ground, hit that wooden step so hard, picked her up, put her in the living room, laid my hands upon her with all the other people that are on the prayer team, or, or, or that, with the Bible study, and we all prayed. When I tell you we prayed in the Holy Ghost, and that means with other tongues, you know, some people say, well, I don't believe in that. Well, I, I, I'm glad I did. Because as I began to pray in the Holy Ghost in other tongues, all of a sudden after about, I don't know how many minutes of praying like that, something hit me on the top of my head as my head was down and she was lying there just bleeding and screaming. Now she's healed. I lifted up my eyes and said, now she's healed, praise God. Let's go finish the Bible study. God supernaturally healed her from that fall. And by the following week, when the next Bible study time came, you could not tell that she fell. Even though in the middle of the week, her one side of her face was so disfigured, she didn't look like the same person. But praise God, it was all the supernatural working of God's almighty power. And I'm talking about at that particular time, and I don't ever tell someone to do this. We didn't call an ambulance. We didn't go to a hospital. The assurance was in my heart. And that's called a gift of faith, a, a faith that goes beyond your personal faith, tapping into the Holy Ghost. And I know by praying in other tongues that uh, that opened up the door to the supernatural faith, that's faith that's beyond your faith because we were able to stand, praise God. And that next morning when she walked up and went into the mirror, she said, Jesus, you healed me. Jesus, you healed me. Jesus, you healed me. It was a, just amazing testimony of God's healing power. And then wife healed of endometriosis and migraine headaches. And then another son healed, uh, instantly healed of a fever. When in his room, he was just burning up when he was a young child, just maybe a couple years old or something, not even maybe one year old, and just burning up with fever. And I walked into his room, went to pray for him, and the Spirit of God stopped me. I walked into a wall. When I walked to that wall, all of a sudden, I knew exactly what to do. You know, God could communicate to us without even speaking to us. Did you know that? And I'm telling you, when God is in it and God speaks that way in any other way, you know there's a basis for your faith. There's a foundation for your faith. And I walked over to him and I went further to him. I knew exactly what to do. I stood there and I said, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was burning up with fever. He was breathing heavily, burning up with fever. And when I said, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it was like a black bird-like figure just flew off his head. I saw it go out the window and he went, <sighs> perfectly normal. His temperature was perfectly normal from that moment. He was perfectly healed by the power of Almighty God. And then another one was healed of a double ear infection. Once again, when others were not getting better, he was completely healed without any intervention whatsoever. But I'm not saying don't use intervention. Never would I ever say that. Use whatever we need. We've done it as well. And then, of course, anybody here know about Andrew's testimony? <laughs> anybody at all? <laughs> exactly. No left pulmonary artery. Now, to us, that's a big deal. To the cardiologist over at Children's Hospital, that's an enormous deal. Because we can't make you one. We're not there yet. Maybe someday they will, but we're not, we're not there yet. You know, so we asked God to give him one. And he did. Amen. One of the highlights of this particular thing was, of course, you've heard me say that Krista made up the left pulmonary artery song. And she sang to his left pulmonary artery that he didn't have every single day for nine solid months. And she won't sing it to anybody else. Only to him. So no one else knows it except me. I know it. And so do the other ones were young too, but they know it. But anyhow, 
when this Indian doctor took him in for his next catheterization, he came running out of the room and he met us in the law, in the waiting room there with other people that were in there and he just started jumping up and down. He's got a perfectly whole left pulmonary artery. It's normal size. He couldn't believe it. He was rejoicing, I think, more than we were because we expected it, but he didn't know about it. The power of God. See, there's no substitute for the power of God. Nothing else can do that. And you know, his miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle all due to the power of the living God. Then here in church, we've had so many uh, miracles around the altar. Uh, one, for example, uh, woman, he's, not one, many, and this stems all the way back down to the school, or to the church down in Midland. Many were healed of infertility and able to have children when before they could not have children. Now, that might not be a big deal to some people, but I know to those women, it was a big deal. To those husbands, it was a big deal. But you know what? That was just something and there's something about this and to be said about this because we went through that particular experience and it seems like there was more faith along that line to pray for these individuals to receive the healing power of God to overcome that infertility just to release the power of God because when you've experienced something like that in your own life it seems like you're just you've got more faith in that area you've seen it before it's happened before and now you pray with I, I guess more a more level a higher level of faith so they were delivered they were set free and they've come and given testimonies after prayer that they were able to have children. And once again, that's a big deal to them, wouldn't you say? And that was not something that man could do. Then uh, also this, this baby that we talked about, the child that was healed with spina bifida in the womb, and this woman that was nine months pregnant, and, and they, they told her to abort the baby. The spina bifida, the spine was on the outside of the body. And the doctors just highly recommended it and said, you don't want to have, you don't want to give birth to this baby. But she came here to a healing mean, cl- a meeting that we had on a Sunday. And she stood here at the altar. And my wife and I laid hands on her. And the power of God, when I tell you the power of God, hit her and knocked her down on the ground. Nine months pregnant. She's lying on the ground right over here. And you talk about casting down thoughts and imaginations that come against your mind. I'm thinking, oh, oh my she's nine months pregnant I don't want a lawsuit on our hands you know your your natural thinking kicks in doesn't it and you start thinking all these different things she's just lying there on the ground and then we just moved on prayed for all these other people didn't find this out till I think it was almost two years later when brother Will was in Georgia and he was ministering in Georgia and one because we didn't hear from those people that was one of the first times they were ever here in church and then we never heard from him ever again for like a couple of years. And then he's, he's ministering in Georgia. He sets up a table and he has some of our CDs on the table. And they were, they were there and they picked up one of the CDs and said, how do you know this church? And he said, that's my church. That's where I go to. Let me tell you what happened. And he gave us the story of this, his wife coming up here for prayer, laid out on the ground. He said, we went back. We had to leave because he, his, I, I, I think it was his work that took him away. Um, so there he, he had to leave. He said, we didn't get a chance to tell anybody. But um, went back to the doctor, another checkup. And the doctor said, there's no spina bifida 
the baby is completely whole. While she was lying here on the ground, the power of God came upon her and in her womb healed her baby. Amen. That's power, wouldn't you say? We need the supernatural working of God's power in all of our lives because God can do a whole lot more than what we can. And then another individual was healed of cirrhosis of the liver, you know, and testified to that as we prayed and believed God for that. Cancer has been healed. Arms and legs we've seen grow out and healing spines and different things that people had uh, wrong with them in their backs and, and that sort of thing. But that's just a few. That's just some of the things. So why am I saying this? Because God wants to stir our hearts. And he wants us not to settle for anything less than his best. He wants us to continue to do even more so what it takes to have a greater manifestation of his miracle working power here among us every time we gather together. One testimony, if you recall, uh, the baby was, according to the mother, which I didn't know, lifeless in her womb. And we were just ministering to the Lord like we were doing here before service began. But this was one of those services that we were just ministering to the Lord and ministering. And you know what? We did take a little bit more time then. I realize God can move quickly, but sometimes just wait on God and let God move. And we were waiting on God and God was moving. If I'm not mistaken, did we have chairs set up at that time? We just had chairs. These pews weren't even in here at that particular time. And of course, we're standing around the altar just like that. And, and she's very pregnant, you know. And I, for some reason, I was just impressed by the Spirit just to, to lay hands on her stomach and pray. And I did, and the power of God hit her, and she fell back into the chair. Like I said, I didn't know about the situation. And found out that the baby, then the heart began to beat. Life, praise God, came back into the baby. Once again, thank God for wonderful eloquent speaking but eloquent speaking can't do that it's people that say I long and I thirst for your power look in the book of Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with eloquent speech and articulate words no, he anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Notice how he blames the devil for the oppression of mankind, for God. Everybody say God was with him. Jesus said, I'm not doing anything of my own. What I do and what you see me do and hear me say has come from my father, not from me. He took no credit for anything that he had done on this planet. He said, it's all the father's doing. It's up to him and he's done it through me. So he performed no miracles whatsoever before this anointing. Before he was equipped with power from on high, he did not do one miracle whatsoever. But after he was endued with power from on high and the Holy Ghost came on him, 
You know, of course, he turned water into wine. That was his first miracle. He healed the nobleman's son. That was his second miracle. And then he went on and healed numerous individuals. He raised the dead. He walked on water. He multiplied fish and food and, and all that. The maims were made whole once again. Creative miracles took place. Notice it was with Holy Ghost power. But Jesus said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come on you. You realize that you and I have the power source on the inside of us if you're spirit-filled. Amen. You've got the power source. I've got the power source. We've got the power source. All we have to do is learn how to tap into it and unleash it. But he deposited it in our lives, praise God. We've got your temples, the, the, your body, the temple of the Holy Ghost, which you have a God and you're not your own. So he told them to glorify God in your body and your spirit, which belongs to God. So in other words, we are carriers of the power of God. So after he did the signs, the wonders, and the miracles among the people, he trained his disciples, he sent them out, they did the same thing. He sent out the 70, he equipped them, they did the same thing. He gave them power to cast out devils and to cure diseases. They went out and did the same thing. They came back and said, even devils are subject to us through your name. He said, don't marvel at that. I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. Uh, but don't marvel at that. But you marvel that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, written in heaven, which means what? You're the joint heir. You're on the books. You're able to tap into and unleash the power of God from on high, praise God, and use it for your behalf and on the behalf of others, is what he said. So he said, you marvel at that. But then in Mark's gospel, chapter 16, and this is where we all come into play. Mark 16, I know people say, well, that was the disciples. That, those were the apostles. And real religiously, like to make us really think wrong, to think wrong. You know, we're bound if we think wrong. We're handicapped if we think wrong. People perish for the lack of knowledge. And if we don't have the right kind of knowledge of the glory of God, the anointing of God, the power of God, then you know what happens? We're limited and we're limiting God. We limit what he wants to do in us and through our lives. Mark 16, beginning at verse 15, go, he's, who's he speaking to? Go into all the, he said to them, his disciples, all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He's speaking to the 11 at that time disciples and tells them, this is your mission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, he that believes and baptized shall be saved. Who's he speaking about now? Those who believe the gospel. They'll be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. Those that don't believe it, they'll be damned. And these signs shall follow the apostles. Who will they follow? Them that believe. Do you believe? In my name shall they cast out devils. The very first thing out of his mouth. When he says, I am authorizing you to use my name. I'm giving you the power of attorney to use my name. To put a stop to the work of devils. And demons. They've come to destroy mankind. They've come to kill, to steal, to destroy, to wreak havoc with people's lives and marriages and children, their families, their finances, their health, their churches, and etc. But he says, You cast them out. He didn't say, Pray to the Father to cast them out. You cast them out. They shall cast out devils. They shall do what? Speak with new tongues. Why is that so hard to, just to accept? Why is it so many in the body of Christ 
fail to accept this blessed truth, they're going to speak with new tongues. And what took place on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God came upon them and they were in Dubapire from on high? Now listen to this. Man, up until this point, had never had spiritual death removed from his spirit and was born again. And then he became the temple of God and the glory, the Shekinah glory of God that we see that was housed in the Holy of Holies has now come from heaven, cloven tongues like as a fire sitting upon each of them and then entered into their spirit because it was now cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And what did they do? They spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They spoke with other tongues. That was the working, the manifestation. Why if they didn't, they would have exploded. This awesome power that entered into their being. And they're speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them utterance. Then they shall take up serpents. And that's authority over the animal kingdom that was restored to them. And there are many stories of individuals, praise God, that used that verse of scripture and their lives were spared because they took authority over the animals. Now remember the story in the revival that took place in Indonesia, the Indonesian revival back in the 70s. And they were crossing a river, thought they'd get to the other side. And of course, obviously there were alligators and crocodiles and that sort of thing to contend with. And as this one individual set out to cross, didn't realize how deep the water was and began to swim. And as he got right into the very middle of the river, he was greeted by four alligators just approaching him from this way. And after the panic left, <laughs> he said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. They proceeded to turn around and go the other way. And he proceeded to go across. And he passed out when he got to the other side. <laughs> Authority over the animal kingdom. Um, William Branham was out in the field one day. It was his practice to go out there, just get alone with God in nature. And he would just pray and praise and worship God. But well, one day he's out there doing this in this field. And he thinks it's pretty safe. There's nothing going on out here. Until a bull eyes him up. He sees where he's at. He's so far in the middle, he cannot run the bull to get to the fence. So he's stuck in the middle. All of a sudden, it starts charging at him. As it's charging at him, he stands there and says, I didn't mean to trespass on your property. So I'm really sorry that I did that. But in the name of Jesus, you know, just let me alone. Leave me go. He said that thing rushed up to him, got close to him, did a sniff or two, turned around and walked away. Then he went over other side of the fence. He got himself out where he belonged. See, it's a good thing he apologized. I think the bull accepted his apology. But the point is we have authority over the animal kingdom. Take up serpents. And I'll be honest with you, you can go on YouTube or, or Google this and you can see it. I think it's Kentucky. The Snake Handlers Church. This one fellow is just preaching. This is foolishness. Don't do this. He's a snake handler and it's a snake handling church. And I looked as I saw the congregation. There were about five people there. <laughs> I can see why. 
And he's walking back and forth. He is preaching up a storm. He's talking about what I'm talking about. Cast out devils, speak with new tongues. You can take up serpents. And you know what? I'm not afraid of serpents, praise God, because Jesus said I can take them up. He pulls a rattlesnake out of the cage and he starts walking back and forth. And he's got this rattlesnake and just having a good time preaching and preaching and preaching. And all of a sudden he gets bit right there on the neck. And he just keep on walking and preaching and saying, saying, oh, Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is also wise and he told you to do the right thing. But this guy was being foolish. And he kept on doing that until he kept going, Jesus is uh, the healer. And finally, when he was about to collapse, the elders came and got a hold of him, put the snake back in the cage, ushered him off to the hospital. End of the story. I don't know if he died or what took place. If they had some kind of, you know, any venom and, and, and all that. But anyhow, he didn't mean that we play with snakes. But if you're proclaiming the gospel somewhere, praise God, you can expect God to intervene for you and keep you safe. And then he went on to say they shall take a serpent. And if they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. Another story in, in the Indonesian revival, when they were going and proclaiming Jesus and, and speaking in different places and and they went to a particular tribe and they just poisoned their food. And there was enough food to kill a regiment of soldiers. They kept on preaching. They finally got a witness that there was something wrong after they started, to, their stomach started to hurt. And then they took authority over it and said, Jesus, you said right here, so nothing will harm us. And so we claim immunity. And they were all instantly made whole. And then the last one, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Then he didn't say they shall be instantly healed. But they shall what? Recover. They shall recover. So the disciples were filled with supernatural power on the day of Pentecost. And they went out and did these very things. And it goes on to say what happened. After the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up in heaven, sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with what? Signs wonder, signs following. Supernatural signs and wonders. You know, there's a group of people that will never be reached without signs and wonders. And we want to have a greater manifestation of the miracle working power of God in our midst. We want our young people to grow up in an atmosphere in which they can see God's power at work in their lives. Look in the, in the book of Psalms and chapter 68 verse 28. This is from the New Living Translation of the Bible. Summon your might, O God. Display your power, O God, as you have in the past. If you sense in any way that maybe the power of God in your life has waned Boy, what a, pray to pray. What, what a prayer to pray. Summon your might, O God. Display your power, O God, as you have in the past. O Father, I want to have and experience a greater manifestation of your power in my life. Summon your power. Stir it up on the inside. Look in uh, 1 Samuel. Human abilities are limited, but God's power is unlimited. 1 Samuel chapter 10. New Living Translation of the Bible. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming toward them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul. Notice, powerfully upon Saul. And he, too, began to prophesy. When those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, What is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? There was such a change in his life. He went from being a shy, timid individual when he was Pow, empowered from on high to stand in the office of the king 
we see something happening here. And then he begins to prophesy. Beloved, God's supernatural power is out there. It's available to every child of God. If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of tongues, you have the fullness of the Spirit manifested on the inside of you. And God wants us to stir up that gift of God inside of us. And then he wants us to use it to pray, praise God. To do what? Unleash it in the lives of other people. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 25. But a man of God came to him and said, this is the New Living Translation, Your majesty, do not hire troops from Israel, for the Lord is not with Israel. He will not help those people of Ephraim. If you let them go with your troops in the battle, you will be defeated by the enemy no matter how well you fight. Notice, no matter how well you fight, God will overthrow you, for he has the power to help you or to trip you up. You know what he's saying? You release the power of God, you got his help. If we go out and do it on our own, we're on our own. So, if all we have is eloquent speech behind our pulpits, then you have nothing more than religion. All we have is Christianity that's been reduced to religion. If the power of God cannot save a sin-sex soul, if the power of God cannot heal a physical body or deliver a mind that's been taken over by the enemy, then you know what? Then our God obviously is not manifesting himself among those people. I don't know what you want. I know what I want. I want us to walk into this place and it become a cloud of God's presence and a cloud of God's glory. And I want us to experience God saving the lost, healing the sick, delivering the captives, empowering uh, individuals to serve him, raising up young people that know him, that walk with him, that summon his power and call upon it every single day. When you get up in the morning, I'm not going to school in my own power or strength. I'm summoning the power of Almighty God. I summon the power of God from on high and His might to enable me, to equip me, to empower me throughout the day. Praise God. And is that what you want? Or would you rather do it in your own strength or ability? You see, the king listened. And the king didn't send the people out because this, he, listen, he understood if they go by themselves, they go alone. They go with their own strength. They go by, based on their own ability. When they went out to spy out the land and they failed to follow through with the, what they were told to do the first time, the second time they went out on their own. God would have delivered them the first time, but the second time they went out on their own, and on their own they were defeated and they were slaughtered by the enemy. Oh, beloved, it pays for us to tap into the resources of God's almighty power, and we're going to talk more about it and how we can do it. So let's all stand together before the Lord.